I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. Because we got the one and only Laura Niemi coming back on the show. Yes. She is just literally the definition of a creator and just an all-around good time. I mean, seriously, this woman has the best laugh ever, and she's always so upbeat and positive and everything. And wait until you hear what she's working on, guys. I can't wait for y'all to listen to this because it's just an amazing story. Exactly, exactly. And since the last time we've had her on, she made yet another guest appearance on our favorite Hit or hit drama, I should say. This is us, of course. As Mother Pearson, man, this is a phenomenal actress, I gotta say. But you'll hear her interview later on the show. Now, let's get a little crazy. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, we're on episode 168 this week. Damn. We're so close to the 170th, and then 30 more episodes. We're going to hit that big 200. Yeah, man. That's uh, woo. I can't even believe 200 episodes. I, I, that's going to be amazing. Right, right. I'm just, it's insane. Super it humble experience. Like, Absolutely enjoy every second of it. But you guys know your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mouth. What's up? Guys, wow. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going down in industry news, but the biggest story by far is Black Widow herself, Scarlett Johansson, coming at Disney, <clears throat> suing them for some cash. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's so much to talk about with this story. Like, like I, I don't even know again. Right. Um. Yeah, yeah, and the ramifications that it could potentially have for for the industry. I mean, I feel like if Gail Gadot and Patty Jenkins weren't successful, you, you know, against Warner Brothers, maybe this Scarlet doesn't even attempt this. But I, I feel like this is going to be huge. Yeah, and I mean, it's starting to uh, snowball into some other stuff too. I saw today that Gerard Butler is also asking for more money because of all of the Olympus Has Fallen franchise. So I mean, I don't know if that has anything to do with their streaming outlets or anything like that, but we'll definitely get into it. But before we get this thing started, be sure to head over to our website www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got shirts, we got hats, we got hoodies, we got things for your dogs, little handkerchiefs. They're adorable, guys. For the toddlers, I mean, we have basically anything and everything. If you need it in the merchandise department, we got you covered. Absolutely, that is definitely sure. And you guys know you can follow us at Crazy Ant Media everywhere and at It Calf Podcast. Yes. So let's get this thing started with, I mean, the biggest story, like we just teased about, Scarlett Johansson suing the Walt Disney Company. Johansson filed the lawsuit in Los Angeles superior court alleging that her contract was breached when the studio opted not to debut the film exclusively in theaters remember we've been talking about that Mm -hmm. what were they going to do with the marvel films a move she claims uh depressed the ticket sales for the avengers spinoff much of her compensation was tied to the box office performance of black widow if it hit a certain benchmark bounces or uh, bonuses would kick back in towards her compensation the lawsuit states that disney intentionally um induced the marvel 
breached of the agreement without justification in order to prevent Miss Johansson from uh, realizing the full benefit of her deal with Marvel. Now, it goes on to say that Disney chose to uh, place at Wall Street investors and pad its bottom line rather than allow its uh, subsidiary, uh, Marvel, to comply with the agreement, saying, quote, to no one's surprise, Disney's breach of agreement successfully pulled millions of fans away from the theaters and towards Disney Plus' streaming service. It's no secret that Disney is releasing films like Black, Black Widow directly to the streamer to increase subscribers and thereby boost the company's stock price. Ooh, so they're trying to manipulate Wall Street a little bit. This is getting a little intense, man. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, it, it's... It's a bold claim, right? I mean, they're coming at it saying you basically did this on purpose knowing that this was going to happen, right? And and people close to Johansson are estimating that that decision to, to put it on Disney Plus resulted in a loss of $50 million in bonuses mm. that she was supposed to receive. Um, okay, and from what we're understanding also, they approached Disney about it before it even happened. So, uh, apparently, they were worried about this um, uh, and whether or not Black Widow would debut on Disney Plus before coronavirus even hit. And part of the suit, they share emails from Johansson's management group that asked the studio to guarantee that Black Woody would uh, Black Widow Black <laughs> Woody I don't even know Black Widow would premiere exclusively in theaters. Um, to which the legal counsel for Marvel, Chief Counsel David Galuzzi, promised a traditional theatrical bow and even added, quote, we understand that should the plan change, we would need to discuss it with you first and come to an understanding as the deal is based on a series of very large box office bonuses. And so that conversation never happened. Uh, well, that's what they're going to claim anyway, yeah. right? So, like, and and... Here's the thing, guys. If if those emails exist, if there is an email saying we want you to promise this will only go to theaters, and I have a strong feeling that this exists because Feige was adamant about he does not want Marvel movies on Disney Plus. He only wants them in theaters. So I am positive in my mind that these emails do exist, and I'm just going to say it. If those emails exist and if the general counsel responded back saying that if the decision changes, we have to approach you first and renegotiate the contract, this lawsuit's a done deal. Yeah, She's exactly. going to get everything she wants because if those emails exist and that meeting never happened, <laughs> I mean, they're fucked. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, with Kevin Feige, like strongly behind her, like behind all of his cast members, really. So, oh, yeah, it's a very interesting thing. And it's getting pretty ugly, right? I mean, I mean Disney fired back. Well, yeah, of course, Disney was not going to have that come at him and not have a uh, response. So they quickly responded and he, and then got in trouble for the response, basically, because they got hammered. They basically accused uh, the actress of uh, saying that her breach of contract lawsuit, um, there's no merit whatsoever to the filing. The lawsuit is especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. The release of Black Widow on Disney Plus with Premier Access has actually significantly enhanced her ability to earn additional compensation on top of the $20 million she's already received to date. Mm. 
Disney did not provide any information about whether or not Johansson's pact was renegotiated. Clearly it was not because in her lawsuit, she's implying that it was not renegotiated. Yeah. And so, okay, and here's where they got hammered, right? They, they came out and basically said that she was, you know, trying to use her power and somehow blaming COVID or, or prolonging the effects of COVID. They got slammed for that. They released her salary. They got slammed for that. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, if that was a man, they wouldn't be dropping the salary. They no. wouldn't be putting any personal stuff out there like that, right? I mean, in my opinion, they, they just – they came at it, right, which – is insane it is um and i mean then johansson's talent agency agency quickly snipped back at uh disney in a statement brian lord the co-chairman of creative artist agency said quote i want to address the walt disney company's statement that was issued in response to the lawsuit filed against them by our client scarlett johansson they have shamelessly and falsely accused Miss Johansson of being insensitive to the global COVID pandemic in an attempt to make her appear to be someone they, and I know she isn't. And Scarlett at, has been Disney's partner on nine movies, which have earned Disney shareholders billions. And the company included her salary in the press, like you just said, in a tip to weaponize her success and her artist as a businesswoman. So, I mean, it's just a whole bunch of back and forth, man. I mean, what Disney's press is doing right now is not good at all. It's making them look awful. And by far, Chappick needs to snip that in the butt because we've been talking about that as a leader. Like, he needs to step in and either be like, all right, I'm either going to keep these films on here for the rest of the year or I'm going to take it back. But if he takes it back, that makes him look weak. Yeah, yeah. You know, and her talent agency did that. And then today, uh, three more. Uh, Women in Film, the Los Angeles branch, uh, Reform, and um, uh, another one. They all came out. Uh, oh, the Me Too movement. Uh, they all came out with the basically the same statement as her agency, saying we don't give a shit about the legalities of it all, but you're abusing the, her, the fact that she's a woman yeah. and how you're doing that. And if all that wasn't bad enough for Chappick, right, if he wasn't feeling the heat from the lawsuit already, apparently a newsletter circulating around from uh, former Hollywood Reporter editor Matthew Baloney claims that uh, Kevin Feige, Marvel Studios, uh, Studios president Kevin Feige, is also pissed off and very unhappy about the film's release on Disney+, Plus, which we knew was coming because yeah. he never wanted it to go on there anyway. Yeah, he's been very vocal about that the whole time. Exactly, and apparently in this in this newsletter, uh, it says in part, quote, Feige is a company man and not prone to corporate showdowns or shouting matches, but he's angry and embarrassed. He lobbied Disney against the day and date plan to release Black Widow uh, on both Disney Plus and the theaters. Uh, he wanted big screen ex- uh, exclusivity, obviously, and not wanting to upset his talent, who also didn't want it on Disney Plus. And then when the shit hit the fan with this lawsuit and the movie started tanking and Johansson's team threatened the lawsuit, he wanted Disney to make it right with her. He called them up and said, fix this shit, renegotiate, let's get it done. To which, obviously, now that the lawsuit has been filed, clearly more uh, Disney did not do. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like you said, I, I called it. You'll remember. I said it. Let's go back and listen to old shows if you don't believe me. But I said it. I said this single-handedly, the decision to put Black Widow on Disney Plus the same time to the theaters will define Bob Chappick's entire tenure as the CEO. No matter what he does after that point, he will be 
judged on that one decision. Oh, yeah. And I'm calling it. It was the wrong decision. I knew it was going to be the wrong decision, but he did it anyway. And I agree with you. I think even though it's the wrong decision, he's got to stick to it now because if he doesn't, he's a wishy-washy leader, which could be even worse on top of the bad decision he's already made, right? So I, I, I just think, I think it's bad all the way around. And the fact that Feige's pissed off, do you want to lose the single greatest revenue stream to Walt Disney right now, which is Marvel? That's that's your money cow right there. You lose Feige, you lo- you're done at Marvel because Basically. nobody can replace him. You'll you'll still have all the rights. You'll still own Marvel, but without Feige running it, it's a whole different fucking ball game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're going to get a whole bunch. If someone were to come in and replace Feige, it's going to be a whole bunch of like mixed reviews, just like Kathleen Kennedy for Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be like. Very wishy-washy on the film side. A lot of people are going to like it. A lot of people are going to hate it. So it's just – it's a bad decision all around. And like you said, it's not its not a good thing. It's not good press. So, I mean, they need to snip this in the butt real quick because she ha- she's part of the original six. So, yeah. Like why the fuck would you not come back and have that conversation with her if that never happened? So I just – I really hope they reconcile and make this right really quick because, one, you don't want to make her unhappy because she's an extremely valuable talent. And, two, you don't want to lose Kevin Feige, which, like you said, is the biggest revenue stream that Disney has had in a long-ass time. Yeah, and look, it, look, it, it goes back to like what happened with all of the creators with the Warner Brother fiasco about putting it all online at the same time, right? They lost a lot of creators that will no longer work with Warner Brothers and a lot of talent that will no longer work with Warner Brothers because because of that move and now it seems like that's similar could potentially happen with disney yeah right for 45 days now and then it's on a streamer so with that changing and with streamers booming the way that they they have to go back and look at these contracts with these stars and these directors and say we need to figure out a way to still get your compensation in and the only way that i think that that's possible is revenue sharing based on the, the streaming uh, money, Agreed. you know, streaming revenues is the same way. Give them bonuses based on the streaming revenues the way that you would back end points on the film. That's the only way this is going to work. You're going to have to structure something with the theatrical and something with the streaming or these lawsuits, in my opinion, will keep on coming and you will keep on losing talent until you find a way to do that. Exactly. Completely agree, man. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. <laughs> but it's not all bad news for Marvel. I know there's a lot of kind of like Marvel versus Disney right now. But yes. Marvel Studios' Hawkeye series at Disney Plus finally has a premiere date. The show, which stars Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld, will debut November 24th. So not that far away. Uh, Renner will reprise his role as Clint Barton, a.k.a. Uh, Hawkeye, uh, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, while Steinfeld will play Kate Bishop. Bishop? Uh, was Marvel Comics character who took up the Hawkeye mantle after Barton and who was also a member of the Young Avengers. Along with Renner and Steinfeld, the series will also star uh, Vera Farmiga, Florence (laughs) Pugh, uh, Far Frey, uh, Tony Dalton, Aqua Cox, and Zane McLaren. Yeah. So a lot of good people, man. Absolutely. And, and clearly setting up the Young Avengers. I yeah. mean, there's no doubt about that. I thought they released the first official photo from it, and I just thought it was fucking hysterical that she was holding a green arrow. Right. <laughs> and and uh, Stephen Amell actually even commented on it. It was fucking fantastic. Right. Um, <laughs> hey, this is pretty cool. Uh, Tom Hanks will apparently play a cameo role in director Wes Anderson's next as-of-yet-untitled film. Mm. He'll play an unspecified minor role joining a cast of heavyweights that already includes Tilda Swinton, Bill Murray, and Adrian Brody. 
Nice. This is what got me, though. It's actually the first collaboration between Hanks and Anderson, which, what? Details about the plot of Anderson's latest are being kept under wraps, of course. Uh, so we'll stay on that one. Anything with Tom Hanks, we got to pay attention to, right? Exactly. Jesus, that would be a huge... If Disney fucks up and they can't get Hanks. Yeah. Oh, my God. That man. would be See, massive. that's what I'm talking about. could be huge. <laughs> that would be massive. Uh, Tiffany Haddish and Lakeith Stanfield are in talks to star in Disney's upcoming remake of The Haunted Mansion. <laughs> Directed by Justin Simeon, Uh, the Haunted Mansion takes its roots from the spooky theme park ride, which first debuted at Disneyland back in 1969. Mm. It took guests through a terrifying manor filled with ghosts, ghouls, and various undead residents uh, designed to give guests a fright. The ride first served as inspiration for the feature film uh, back in 2003 with Eddie Murphy's family-friendly horror comedy, The Haunted Mansion. Plot details about this one are being kept under wraps for the latest adaptation, but I feel like those two are hilarious. So, I mean, bring it very family-friendly. I think it's going to be good. Oh, yeah, and Justin Simeon's fantastic. Yeah. So he's going to be outstanding directing it. Uh, let's see, two other awesome actors uh, apparently jumping into the Disney uh, mix here. Nicholas Holt is set to join... Anya Taylor-Joy and Ralph Fiennes in Searchlight's dark comedy The Menu. Now, apparently the film is a darkly comedic psychological thriller set in the world of eccentric culinary culture, centering on a young couple who visits an exclusive restaurant on a remote island where an acclaimed chef has prepared a lavish-tasting menu. What could go wrong? Yeah, I'm right? just saying, what could go wrong with that? Apparently, it's going to be a lot. That's but so um, funny. Yeah, that sounds interesting, right? Right. ABC's The Wonder Years revival has cast Alan Maldonado. Yeah. If you guys think that name sounds familiar, he was a guest on our podcast. Uh, in a recurring role, Maldonado will portray Coach Long, a uh, basically an available guy who takes his job coaching a preteen baseball team very seriously. His son Tony is a part of the team with Dean Williams, Elijah E.J. Williams, uh, the center character of the story. Both Tony and Dean ask their coach if they can scrimmage against an all-white team across town. Long is not interested, that is, until Dean's mom, Lillian, uh, convinces him that is a good idea. Mm. Mm. Sounds like some controversy, possibly. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like this show's going to get a lot into deep stuff. I think like, so, too. And, and the Wonder Years, the first Wonder Years did, and I can only imagine this one dealing with black, you know, in the 60s during that time in the civil rights. It's going to get intense. For sure. Uh, I love it, though. I love it. Uh, Eva Longoria will direct and executive produce a single cam comedy in the works at ABC that hails from Grace Parra, Janney, and Josh Bicell. Uh It's untitled still, and it's inspired apparently by Janney's own large Mexican-American American family in Texas. Uh. It's described as a multi-generational comedy about an upper middle class family handling grief, identity, and reevaluation of their roles following the death of the family patriarch. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be intense. Right. Trying to figure everything out. Yep. Well, the Hulu comedy Woke, which was shut down twice last week because of positive COVID-19 tests, has now been shut down a third time. Mm. Uh, Woke had been gone back into production on Monday, but on Wednesday, there there were three more positive tests. Shit, that sucks. Uh, two of which were in Zone A. 
the COVID protocol zone a a compromise are comprises of those who present on set when the actors weren't wearing masks and the actors and themselves production on the show and co-production of Sony and ABC studios has been suspended indefinitely of the show's eight episodes second season only two episodes have been fully shot oh i know uh before the production stoppage uh began happening last week the final day of shooting were supposed to be this week then because of those delays the end date has been pushed back a week now it's unclear when the show might resume filming at all so there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff happening with that one that's very unfortunate oh uh, yeah and there's a lot of shows going through that right now i mean i'm not just disney abc shows i mean swat and cbs i mean a ton of them it's unfortunate um this is cool though hulu has apparently renewed love victor for a third season it comes after the second season of the teen comedy just began airing in june um this one's a of course, the one based on the uh, Love, Simon film by Greg Berlanti. Um, it's doing really well on Hulu, and I'm glad to see that because we need more content like this out there. So, good. Season 3 coming, guys. Yes, yes. And, I mean, guys, we're, we're talking about all of it. We're talking about all of it. Margaret Chow has joined the cast of the upcoming Searchlight picture film. Fire Island, opposite of Joel Kim Booster and Boin Yang. She'll play a key role as a homeowner and host of the notorious LGBTQ-friendly island. Fire Island is described as a modern gay take on Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) (laughs) It follows two best friends who set out to have a legendary week-long summer vacation with uh, help of a cheap rosé and chardonnay of electric friends. Mm. Uh, the film will stream exclusively on Hulu in the U.S. and on Star Abroad, uh, both owned by Disney, if yeah. you did not know. We've got, we've got some news about Star, too, uh, coming up that I found pretty interesting. I just want to throw this in there, too, because I, th- I thought it was uh, relevant, especially we were just talking about Woke being shut down yet again. Um, if you guys didn't know, Disney World and Disneyland have gone back to the mask man dates uh you do have to wear the masks at all times while you're inside at both theme parks now which uh that's that's a reverse of what they had said just a month ago um and the walt disney company is apparently requiring that their salaried and non-us employees get vaccinated before they can return to work uh they're the latest major company to require vaccinations for employees as of course the delta variant uh continues to drive uh major rises in uh, throughout the country um As you guys know, Hollywood's major unions and studios also announced that companies can impose vaccine mandates on anybody that works in Zone A of productions under the uh, revised work to uh, return to work rules. So um, I I just think it's a smart move. Yeah, this Delta shit's scary, and so put the masks back on. Exactly. Exactly. That's better than being locked at home. Damn right. Um, Now heading over to Fox, Patricia Heaton will is attached to star and executive produce a new comedy project at Fox. It's the multi-camera project that has received a script to series commitment uh, at the broadcaster. No writer is currently attached, and the plot details are scarce on the series, but it would likely be entirely shot in Nashville. Heaton currently splits her time between Nashville and Los Angeles, while Capitol operates multiple stages there. And, I mean... 
It it sounds like, you know, some things are heating up in different parts of the country, but I mean, you know, it's it's scary, like you said. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going down and no title for this one either. We don't know a title for that one, so stay tuned for more info. Yeah, and just hearing Patricia Heaton, it makes me come out. I saw I saw a story where uh, one of the creators of um Everybody Loves Raymond is trying to get her a, a a reunion show put together and nobody has responded. Yeah. Maybe because she's working on that. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Um, Fox also released a trailer for Our Kind of People, which premieres September twenty first. And as we've told you on previous shows, this is the series that takes place uh, in the aspirational world of Oak Bluffs on Martha's Vineyard, and it's filled with rich and powerful black elite. While strong-willed single mom Angela Vaughn sets out to reclaim her family's name with her revolutionary hair care line, she discovers a dark secret about her own mother's past that will shake up the community forever. Uh, uh, watch the trailer. It looks pretty interesting. I'm not going to lie. I, I think, I, I, you know, it could be Fox's replacement for Empire, mm. only with hair care products. Right. I'm just saying, <laughs> based on the trailer. That's all I'm saying. That's just... funny. Uh, Heather Mitcher, Good Girls creator Gina Bands, and her Minnesota logging company have come on board for an hour-long drama in the works at Fox based on Jocelyn Jackson's best-selling suspense novel, Never Have I Ever. Mm. The project was originally set at the network last development season and is now being redeveloped by Mitchell writing and executive producing and Band's executive producing as well. In the Untitled Project, which has a script commitment with penalty, Uh-oh, there uh, you go. Uh, Amy White uh, is living the life of an average, if unfulfilled, housewife in suburban Florida when a gifter named Rauks uh, drifts <laughs> Rue. Rue, uh, drifts into town and wastes no time uh, rekindling the network between the local women. Uh, when Rue learns that Amy's the big fish and needs for her last big score, the hustler and her mark become locked in a deadly battle. Mm. Uh, how far is Amy willing to go? To keep her secrets hidden in the past, uh, how dangerous is Rue when she has zero when she has zeroed in on her prey, and how could either of these women ever have known the swindler picked up in the wrong suburban housewife to mess with? Oh, that's a lot happening. That is a lot happening. I, I had to say Rue because I'm Louisiana boy. I, yeah, I, yeah, you got you got to go with Those Rue. damn exes. Okay. No, I know, I know, it's fine. <laughs> Woo, that was a lot. All right, okay. Let's jump to the bunny because, man, have you seen this? Have you watched this one yet? Uh, not. Oh, my goodness. I was, like, pumped. It's going to be so fucking good. I'm, of course, talking about the fact that Warner Brothers unveiled the first trailer for uh, King Richard starring uh, Will Smith. Now, you guys know, we've talked about this. The film is based on the inspirational true story of Richard Williams, who, of course, is Will Smith playing him. Uh, the undeterred father, Richard, was instrumental in raising Venus and Serena Williams, two extraordinarily gifted athletes who ended up changing the sport of tennis forever. Now, in case you guys didn't know, I think we talked about this before, but in case you don't remember, Serena and Venus are actually executive producing this project along with their sister, Isha Price. Uh, and they gave us a release date. King Richard will be released in theaters uh, in the U.S. on November 19th. Mm. It's going to be available also to stream on HBO Max via their ad-free plan for 31 days 
following the theatrical release. So there you go. I'm super pumped. The trailer was outstanding. Yeah. And these two girls that they've got to play, the young Venus and Serena, they just were epic. Nice. It's going to be – and Bernthal. My man Bernthal's in it, so it's a winner. I'm just saying it's That's a winner. hilarious. Uh, Spotify, together with Warner Brothers and DC, have found their Batman and Alfred for their forthcoming Batman Unburied or Buried uh, scripted – podcast thriller leading the cast as bruce wayne is winston duke whose Mm. credits include black panther avengers infinity war endgame and us he's joined in the project by jason isaac from the harry potter films peter pan and black hawk down as bruce's loyal butler and right hand man alfred batman unburied uh follows wayne as a forensic pathologist working in the bowels of gotham hospital and tasked to examining the victims of the harvester a gruesome serial killer preying on gotham citizens bruce must face his mental demons and overcome them in order to save the citizens of gotham as his alter ego batman Hmm. That's very dark. He's working as a forensic pathologist at what? what? So he's not rich in that? Like, like that's all interesting to yeah. me. That sounds real. Okay, I'm gonna check out that podcast for sure. Uh, oh, I'm super pumped about this one too. Apparently, J.K. Simmons is in negotiations to come back as Commissioner Gordon in Warner Brothers and HBO Max's uh, Batgirl movie. Simmons previously played the role, as you guys know, in Zack Snyder's 2017 Justice League. Um, he will star opposite, of course, as you guys know, Leslie Grace, who we talked about last week, who won the title role in the upcoming movie. Batgirl set for a 2022 release on HBO Max. Now, does this play into the whole thing where the whole... Warner Media, now that they're getting rid of the whole AT&T thing and they're kind of doing discussion, seem to be on board with the Snyderverse. Right. Because why would you be bringing back somebody from the Snyderverse to, in a new movie if you weren't on board with keeping the Snyderverse? I'm just saying. Yeah, uh, you, know, you know. I mean, you know. But it's J.K. Simmons, so they're probably scared he'll slap the shit out of him. Yeah, if exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Matt Ryan, not the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. No, no. Um, Actor Matt Ryan will end his run playing John Constantine in CW's Legends of Tomorrow when the DC show's sixth season concludes in September. Ryan first played the warlock and uh, detective in NBC's Constantine, which lasted a single season back in 2014 to 2015. The character became part of the DC's uh, uh, CW's DC Universe in an episode of Arrow in November of 2005. Ryan joined Legends of Tomorrow as a recurring guest star in its third season and became a regular that following year. In a twist, though, Ryan will remain part of the cast and will play a new character in Season 7. Ryan will play a character named Dr. Gwen Davies in Season 7. Davies is an eccentric scientist from the early 20th century who might be the team's only hope. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's not a new move. We've had plenty of people on that show play different characters. They come back as different characters. So uh, I'm just glad he's not leaving because I like Matt Ryan. I think he's cool. Yeah. Um, Nick Cregan has been cast as a new series regular opposite Javisha Leslie in the CW's Batwoman. Cregan will play Marquise Jet, a sexy playboy who grew up in a lavish lifestyle. Marquis is too charming for his own good and wields his power with a nair to do well attitude. He views life as one big joke, and that sense 
sense of recklessness, has a tendency to clash horribly with his no-nonsense mother, Jada Jet. When he re- meets Ryan, he sees in her a like-minded young go-getter who, like him, is just waiting for the right opportunity to make his mark on Gotham. He joins recently announced new series regular Victoria Cartegna as Renee Montoya. Um, and right, didn't we report Robin Givens is playing his mom, Jada Jet? I believe right? so, yeah. yeah. So there you go. A lot of good stuff. Oh, yeah. A lot of good stuff. Well, the shy star Jacob Litmore is set to co-star in New Line's reimagining of the 1990 cult comedy House Party. What? uh, Producing by Spring Hill Company for HBO Max. Uh, Jacob replaces Jorge Lindenbrock Jr., who sources say recently left the project to focus on mental well-being. Insiders say the exit was supported by the studio and filmmakers. Uh, Jacob will now co-star opposite of Tosin Cole, award-winning uh, music video director Kyle Medic Helming, uh, for his feature debut. So that's very awesome, and I love that more people are having the courage to come out for their mental health struggles and saying, hey, I just need a little break. I mean, yeah, I, you know, look, I was a fan of the original movie so in, in 1990 because I'm old, you know, yeah. so... Uh, <laughs> Shut up. That's you are. I'm just saying. Um, I mean, so, uh, look, uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be fantastic. The real question is, of course, what everybody wants to know, right? Will Kid and Play uh, make an appearance? Who knows? Uh, I, I mean, you know, I think that they should. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay, here it is. HBO Max dropped all 12 episodes of the animated British royal family satire series The Prince earlier this week. That's the one, you know, that they delayed in because of the whole Prince Philip dying kind of thing. Anyway, the show looks at Buckingham Palace as residents and staff through the eyes of Prince George, the eldest child of Prince William and Kate Middleton, the Duchess of Cambridge. Uh, writer and executive producer Gary Gennetti voices Prince George. Other members of the voice cast include Francis de Latour as Queen Elizabeth, Tom Hollander as Prince Philip, who does not have a lot of dialogue. Dan Stevens as Prince Charles. Uh, Iwin Raon as Prince William. Lucy Punch as Kate Middleton. Orlando Bloom as Prince Harry. Condola Rashad as Meghan Markle. Alan Cumming as George's butler, Owen. And Sophie Turner as Princess Charlotte. The Prince's spring debut, like I said, was delayed in part because of Oprah Winfrey's explosive interview with uh, Harry and Meghan in March and Prince Philip's death the following month. Now, I got to tell you guys... I watched all 12 episodes of this last night. Ooh, boy. They're about 13 or 14 minutes long, and um, they are not very kind to the royal family. Um, Not very kind at all. Basically, they're saying that Prince Philip was dead before he died. They recharge him every night. Oh. Um, he doesn't talk very much. Um, they all swear relentlessly. Um, uh, <laughs> just... Kate is drunk, and that's the only way that she can deal with William. Um, I, I just, I, I don't even know where to let, let Meghan Markle and Harry living in L.A. is fucking hysterical with what they're doing with that. Um, and and the, the focal character, Prince George, um, he, he's just, I, I don't even know how to describe It's fucking hilarious, but if you're a fan of the royal family, you will hate every fucking second about it because they just tear them apart. That's from, hilarious. But you got to watch it. Yeah. So, I was dying laughing the whole time. It's too fucking funny. That's I mean, great. just check it out. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers has acquired the rights to South by Southwest award winner The Fallout Ooh. and plans to debut the film on HBO Max. 
Written and directed by Megan Park in her feature filmmaking debut, Fallout premiered at SXSW and took home the Grand Jury and Audience Awards at this year's annual film festival. Uh, The story follows a high schooler who navigates the emotional fallout in the wake of a school tragedy. Uh, The cast includes Gina Ortega and Dance Mom alum Maddie Ziegler, uh, Julie Bowen, and Shalene shalane woodley so i mean you know that's a lot of good people so i'm interested to see it can't Uh, wait till it hits hbo max i mean seriously that's a solid cast um apparently hbo has ordered a pilot script based on octavia butler's novel fledgling also Issa ray and jj abrams are set to executive produce uh fledgling which was originally published in 2005 is the story of an apparently young amnesic girl whose alarmingly inhuman needs and abilities lead her to a startling conclusion she is in fact a genetically modified 53 year old vampire the fuck? What? <laughs> Forced to discover what she can about her stolen former life, she must at the same time learn who wanted and still wants to destroy her and those she cares for and how she can save herself. Mm. What? Right? So she's a teenager who's actually a 53-year-old vampire. Very interesting. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Interesting mm-hmm. concept. Uh, Kathy Ang, Niall Cunningham, Alexa Swinton, and Kriya... Crescentio uh, um, <laughs> have joined the cast of HBO Max's original series, and just like that, uh, they joined previously announced Sarah Ramirez and Satira and Nicole Ari Parker, Karen Pittman, Chris Noth, and basically everyone else under the sun. Uh, it's very exciting, guys, because Aang, who is going from Over the Moon and My Best Friend's Exorcism, and Rami will play the role of Lily Goldenblatt, and Cunningham will from Life Pieces, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Deadbeat will appear as Brady Hobbes Winston from Old Billions and uh, other stuff will play Rose Greenblatt, and uh, Cree there is from uh, Mr. Inglacius, The Sleepover, and they're going to appear as Brady Hobes as girlfriend Lisa Torres. There so, you go. There so, and is. if you guys haven't figured it out, it's the kids of the girls from you know uh, the remake of uh, Sex in the City. Yeah, it's their kids. Uh, interesting. Uh, uh, okay, all right. We're gonna say I didn't know. So they're all gonna have kids. That's interesting because right. they were all sleeping around with everybody. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Pretty little. I'm excited about this one. Pretty Little Liars' original sin has cast Bailey Madison in a lead role. Madison will play. Imogene, described as a true survivor, like all of the liars, Imogene is a final girl. She will drive the mystery of uncovering A as she fights for her life and the lives of her friends. She joins previously announced cast members Chandler Kinney and Maya Rafiko. Um, I'm just a huge Bailey Madison fan. I think she's a phenomenal young act- actress, so I'm not sure if I'm going to check out this uh, reboot because it hasn't been so long since the original. Right. But uh, but I'm Bailey Madison, congratulations because she's great. Exactly, exactly. Well, the reboot of of, uh, are of Norman Lear's syndicated 1970s series, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, has landed uh, in script development at TBS. As we told you on the show in February, Schitt's Creek star Emily Hampshire is developing a fresh version of Mary Hartman, along with uh, Jacob Trinley, uh, from everything, basically. After being shopped by Sony Pictures TV to buyers this spring, the project has landed at TBS. Hampshire will star as 
the title character in the reboot and also serve as an executive producer on the project. She also is set to co-write the script with mm. uh, Turnley, uh, who will serve as showrunner. Uh, the original uh, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, uh, was a satire of a soap operas that ran daily for two seasons in first-run syndication and earned a cult-like following uh, for its take on the genre and American media and consumer culture. For the update, the logline notes that the new Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, is about a small-town woman who feels like nobody ever expected her to... Uh, Basically, she becomes verified on social media after she nervously breaks down on social media and goes viral. Mm. So that's a lot. Yeah, that, that's a whole different take on it. But uh, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman was huge. So, it you know, and Lear's on a, on a run right now. So I feel like it's probably going to be successful. Uh, Snowpiercer has been apparently renewed for season four at TNT. This news comes as the series recently wrapped production on season three. Season two of the show debuted back in January, as you guys know, and that's the one based on the movie with Chris Evans. Uh, I hear the series is pretty good. I haven't watched it. I heard it is too. Uh, what's his face from Hamilton's in it? Yeah. Um... Yeah, David Letterman's iconic Stupid Pet Tricks is being revived as its own TV show hosted by Sarah Silverman mm -hmm. on TBS. The network ordered the series called Stupid Pet Tricks for 10 half-hour episodes. Production will begin in Los Angeles later this year. Each episode will focus on a parade of pets performing the most ridiculous and impressive tricks on a studio stage for a live audience. Filled with uh, comedic bits, games, and surprise celebrity guests, the series each week will crown one parent pet, uh, pet parent, and their furry or scaly friend of the stupidest trick of the week. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I was a huge fan of David Letterman and a huge fan of Stupid Pet Tricks. I'm not a huge fan of Sarah Silverman, and I don't think this is going to do well. If you don't have Letterman doing it, it's not. It's not the same. Yeah, it's just not going to be the same. Yeah. I mean, I think the reason Stupid Pet Tricks worked is because of Letterman's dry sense of humor towards the the pets. So I just, I don't know. I don't think it's going to work. All right. Jump into Viacom CBS. Um, and here we go. Remember it was fuck COVID. Now it's fuck Delta, right? Paramount Pictures has curbed the planned September 17th release of its CGI live action feature film Clifford the Big Red Dog over concerns of the Delta variant. The film is complete, and there's good early tracking. Apparently, it's tracking in the low 90s as far as approval ratings go. However, uh, with families feeling less likely to go back to the theaters now that this Delta thing's swinging across the country everywhere, Paramount is looking for a new U.S. release date. Uh, they believe it has a winner with Clifford, but only if kids can safely go to the multiplex to see it. So here we go again. How many are we going to start seeing delayed again and or popping up on streamers, which yeah. goes back to what we were talking about. You're going to have to renegotiate with all these people. Exactly, exactly. <sighs> I, I saw the trailer for this one, and I mean, I was not a fan no. when, they first came, <laughs> when they first came out and were talking about it. But after I saw the trailer, it actually looks pretty cute. So, I mean, I think they will do really well in younger audiences. Yeah, yeah. Have, I don't know. Have you seen the trailer? I have. I'm just, I'm still have a hard time getting over that you would do it 
with without John Ritter. I understand. I mean, I yeah. you, you know, just yeah. just I think that should have just been left alone. But yeah. I'm not saying it's not a good movie. I just I don't out of respect to him, I don't think they should have done it. Right. I mean, that's just like the Aladdin thing. But, yep. You know. Uh, sources say Richie Jean Page will star and executive produce a new reimagined version of The Saint for what? Paramount Plus. The late Robert Evans, who produced Paramount's 1997 movie adaptation starring Val Kilmer and Elizabeth Shue, uh, will also get a producer credit. Oh, that's good. Uh, the Saint follows Simon Templar, and better known as The Saint, a Robin Hood-esque criminal and thief who for hire who uh, goes on a globe-trotting adventure while plot details of the reboot are being kept under the wraps. Uh, insiders say that this will be a completely new take of that reimagines the character for a, a and the world around him. So that's going to be very interesting. Okay, well, I'm fine with it if it's a, a, a new take on him because of the stuff that's going on in the world today, but I don't think you should, like, fucking re- change the character. It was. It's a good character in the books. Val Kilmer fucking nailed it. It was one of my favorite Val Kilmer movies, and him and Elizabeth Shue were outstanding. So I hope they don't change it up too much. But yeah. I'm excited about it though. It was one of my favorite movies, and I'm super fucking pumped about this one. If you guys haven't seen the trailer yet, watch the fucking trailer. Oh my god, it made me want to go back and watch the first half of the season again. Showtime released the trailer for the return of Billions season five, which will continue with five new episodes on September fifth. Yeah, come on, right around the corner, baby. In the second half of season five the presence of powerful billionaire mike prince who Corey stall is fucking doing phenomenal playing oh my god it sends ripples through axe capital giving chuck rhodes a potential new weapon in his fight against bobby axelrod the series also stars asia kate dillon as you guys know maggie sift david costable condola rashad kelly oakland and jeffrey demun and janine garofalo is apparently showing up on the back half of this too she's going to guest star as winslow the hip owner of a legal cannabis corp what i could see that yeah and juliana margulies is on there this season she's the kind of new lover for uh for Rhodes for chuck um and her and paul giamani are fucking hilarious together but seriously Corey stoll oh my god going up against damian lewis fucking axe and 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 oh they're back and forth this oh i cannot wait i cannot wait definitely definitely well lily rabe has been tapped as Lorena in Hick Hawk in the Showtime uh, anthology series, The First Lady. Uh, Hickok is pioneering American journalist who, by 1932, became America's best-known film female reporter. Uh, she was a devoted friend and mentor to Eleanor Roosevelt. After 3,000 of their mutual letters were discovered, the nature of the relationship between Hick and mm-hmm. Eleanor became subject of much debate, with some scholars believing the two are lovers. Yep. Very interesting. Oh, I yeah. And I mean... I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, so. that's an interesting little piece of history right there. And I can't, I'm shocked that they're addressing it on the show, but I am glad they are. That is going to be such a good show, man. Right. Uh, let's see. DeWanda Wise has been cast in the upcoming Showtime series adaptation of the Lisa Tadeo novel, Three Women. Wise joins previously announced cast member Shailene Woodley. In the series, as we've told you, three women are on a crash course to radically overturn their lives. Wise will play Sloan, a glamorous entrepreneur, in a committed open marriage until two 
sexy new strangers threaten their aspirational love story. Oh, God. Boom, boom. Right. Okay. Uh, All so right. funny. Uh, Brittany Daniel is returning to the game as Paramount Plus's reboot adds a slew of cast members to the dramedy. Uh, Daniel has signed on to make a special appearance in the series alongside Pooch Hall. The stars will be joined by Adrienne Ray, yeah. who's been on the show, Vaughn Hebron, and Anissa Velez as cast members in the 10-part series. So that's very exciting. Yeah, super exciting. It's also super exciting every week to hear about our past guests doing so well. Right. And like having all this new stuff going Happy on. Happy for them. Hell yeah. Congratulations. And she's still on Chicago Fire. Mm-hmm. So she's really kicking ass. Adrienne Ray, of course, we're talking about. Uh Filming on the offer, Paramount Plus's upcoming limited series about the making of The Godfather that we talk about almost every week, it seems like, was suspended due to a positive test in the central Zone A that includes the cast and those interacting with them. Development comes amid a surge of the Delta COVID variant in Los Angeles, like I said at the top of the show. It's not just Disney having problems with on the... It's all of them, man. Literally so everywhere. this one, man, just seems controversy after controversy right. every week on that show. It sucks. Uh, Sanjay Shaw has been tapped as writer and executive producer on Everybody Hates Chris, the animated series reboot of Chris Rock's beloved autobiographical family sitcom. Rock uh, poised to the return as the narrator and executive producer of the animated project, which is currently in development at CBS Studios. Shaw is coming off a stint as an executive producer slash co-showrunner on the first two seasons of Apple TV's animated musical series, Central Park, mm. which is a huge show for Apple. So oh, yeah. congratulations to them. Oh. I didn't know this was happening. Yeah, were, were you a fan of the original, Everybody Hates Chris? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. I thought I thought it was pretty funny, and I, I, I didn't know they were coming back to it either. But right? That's why we're here, to let people know what's going I on. I think it might do better as an animated series, because that show is kind of geared towards that type of comedy. Yeah, But, agreed. I mean... The the original wasn't any like big breakout thing, but I think this might be better. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. It spawned a lot of people off that show. Though. It did. The, the, you know, obviously the young guy that played Chris went on to The Walking Dead, and uh, I mean, just a shit ton of stuff. And I mean, yeah, so. It's going to be interesting. All right, jumping over to NBC Universal. Uh, apparently, Comcast Chairman CEO Brian Roberts told Wall Street analysts this week on the company's earnings call that NBC Universal's Peacock has reached 54 million total signups since its debut in April of last year. That seems eh, a year, 54 million. I mean, it's impressive, but it's slower than HBO Max and uh, Disney. Right, so. and it's interesting because are these. Because remember, Peacock is kind of free, and yeah. then they have a paywall, so they're not clarifying Fine. whether... With, yeah. <laughs> that's an excellent point. Um, I will say this, though. It said that the streamer's most popular, and this might give a clue, the streamer's most apop- popular original series has been Dr. Death. Um, he also announced that the streamer will begin its international rollout this year as a free edition on Sky Satellite TV platform in Europe, giving it a base total of 20 million households over there in Europe. The reason I say it might be a clue is because Dr. Death is behind that page. Paywall. Mm. You had to you you couldn't you couldn't watch it if you were a free. Uh, you could only watch like the first episode yeah. or two episodes. Then you had to pay to watch the rest. Um, so I'm gonna just say all in. Doctor Death is fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I paid, and I'm. I mean, come on, it's cheap still. It's like five bucks. Yeah, exactly. Um, but man, the show. I, the five bucks was worth it to watch them. I mean, Joshua Jackson and Alec Baldwin, Chris.
Christian Slater are fucking phenomenal in it, man. Nice. Oh, yeah. Go, definitely check that one out. And it's scary as fuck because it's a real story. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After you watch it, you'll go, shit. That's okay. funny. Uh, DreamWorks Animation has enlisted a star stub cast for his upcoming cartoon action comedy, The Bad Guys. Oscar winner Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Anthony Ramos, and Mark Marin will lead Damn. the voice cast. Rounding out the call sheet are Craig Robinson, ZZ Bits, uh, Lily Shing, uh, Alex Borstein, and Richard Lloyd. Damn. Right? Damn. Uh, the Bad Guys follows a Cracker Jack criminal crew of animal outlaws <laughs> as they attempt their most challenging con yet, becoming model citizens. Oh. It will be released on April 15, 2022 by Universal Pictures. Damn. That sounds funny. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm all down for good animated films. We need that kind of stuff. So, Agreed. And who doesn't want to see bad guys become good guys? Come exactly. on. Exactly. Uh, this one is shocking to me, um, but it just goes to show you that money train keeps paying out, man. Universal is apparently turning over a whopping $400 million to buy a new Exorcist trilogy Mm. with plans to screen some of the films on Peacocks now that they've got some viewers on Peacock. Um, Ellen Bernstein, the Oscar-winning actress who first did battle with the devil in 1973's original uh, Exorcist, is apparently going to reprise her role as Chris McNeil. Uh, David Gordon Green, the filmmaker of the studio's latest Halloween reboot, is directing the upcoming Exorcist franchise, and it's going to be produced by Bloomhouse. So you've got a successful horror director, you've got the original star from the, one of the most successful horror movies, and it's being produced by the most successful horror producer or creator, uh, Jason Blumhouse. So... I'm going to go ahead and said this was a good $400 million spent and will probably be successful. Right. I'm I mean, just saying. Yeah. I mean. That's awesome, though. That's awesome. Uh, Steven Spielberg has added four Oscar nominees, uh, Judd Hirsch, uh, Janine Berlin, Berlin, and veteran stage and screen actors Robin Bartlett and Jonathan Hadray to its upcoming autobiographical film, which is the working title of The Fablemans. Yeah, what? That I Hopefully they change that. I know. Uh, they will play the older relatives of a young aspiring filmmaker, uh, played by Gabrielle LaBelle, who is loosely based on Spielberg's experiences as a kid in Arizona. Yeah. So apparently this is like, totally fictional family that he's just adding into it yeah what like what okay. if this is a semi-autobiographical why are you throwing fake people in there right like, I, I don't <laughs> and yeah i agree with you totally the fablemans what the fuck yeah. that's a horrible working title and definitely a horrible title if that's where it goes with uh, <laughs> and uh, speaking of horrible this is a horrible fucking idea just don't do it a follow-up to universal's 1995 movie Waterworld, starring kevin costner is in the works for the small screen the project which from original producer John Davis and his Davis Entertainment is in very early development at Universal Content Partners. The series would pick up with the film's characters 20 years later. Talks are currently underway with potential writers. With the film's characters. Uh, so you're telling me Costner's coming? Right. Co- is Costner coming? <laughs> this is a horrible idea. I didn't really like Waterworld. I yeah. thought it was like a cheap knockoff on, on Namor. Like, I just, I, I don't do it. Very, Don't do it. Yeah, very interesting, man. Very interesting. Well, Dylan McDermott has closed a deal to reprise his role as Richard Wheatley in the major recurring arc in the upcoming second season of NBC's Law and Order, 
organized crime. McDermott originally signed on as a series regular for a one-year deal to play Stabler Season 1 Nemesis. Uh, His character was so well-received by fans that NBC and Wolf approached him about coming back. Uh, Dylan has continued to return for, or has committed to uh, return to eight episodes of season two, and what is believed to be a one of the most lucrative guest star deals on the network television market. Mm. That's intense. I'm guessing he got paid a shit ton. A shit. But ton. Dick Wolf like basically owns television at this point, so why not? Right? He's probably got the money. I'm happy he's coming back though. I didn't like how it just ended with him like going away and like I, I, I yeah. They need to wrap that up definitively. I think. Uh, here's another competitive situation. I wonder how much they paid for this one. We've heard $400 million. We've heard the highest guest starring payout in history. Well, how much is this one? In a competitive situation, NBC has apparently landed a single camera comedy starring an executive produced by Oscar winner Marley Matlin with a script commitment plus penalty. Those are the kind you want. The project hails from writer Ben Shelton, Aaron Kaplan's Capital Entertainment, and Universal Television. The untitled Marley Matlin project is set in the cutthroat, fast-paced world of sign language interpreting. Mm. The world, the workplace comedy centers around a medium-sized interpreting agency in Los Angeles managed by DJ, who will be Marley Matlin, who's both overextended and overconfident. Mm. Oh. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Marge Hellenberger. Yeah. Uh, Jasmine Matthews, EJ Bolina, and Matt Long have joined uh, Anne Aluza in the cast of NBC's drama Getaway, which remains in consideration for mid-season. Um, the show follows a destination wedding at an isolated luxury resort that quickly descends into chaos after a group of dangerous criminals takes the island hostage the small group of guests led by the furious are uh, the fearless female army vet uh, will do everything they can to stay alive. Uh, Marge will play Charlotte Pierce, uh, who's senior Democratic uh, senator from New York, who used to be calling the shots, who is happy to see her son, who is played by Matt Long, settle down with his bride. Now, uh, Grace, who is played by Jasmine Matthews, uh, though there are darker forces at play that will prompt her to have chosen between her family and her political career. Bonilla uh, will play Rafi Salinez, a man who claims to be a fisherman on the run with his friends from a game of cartel members and who is also hiding his darkest secret that will put everyone else in danger. That's a lot. It is. It sounds like that movie that we were talking about, though, with, like, you know, the wedding on an island and then it's disrupted and somebody has to save them. Remember? I can't remember. It was a comedy, so obviously not a drama like this one. The biggest question I get out of all that, and I love Mark Hellenberger, um, but... With Matt Long signing on, what does that mean for the manifest? Exactly. What does it mean for any chances of manifest coming back? Mm. No, no, Probably not no, good. no. Um, hmm, okay. NBC announced this week that the 2021 People's Choice Awards will air simultaneously on both NBC and E on Tuesday, December 7th. Um, 
That's interesting. E! has aired the People's Choice Awards since 2018 after it acquired the show from the previous owner, Procter & Gamble, which, by the way, if you guys didn't know, owned CBS for a long time. Under Procter & Gamble, the show aired on CBS from its creation in 1975 to 2017. It moved to E! after the cable network acquired the rights. Um, This represents the first time, apparently, that the People's Choice Awards has moved into December, having normally aired in November during its first three years on E! For 20 years before that, the event actually took place in January. So now it's dual networks on a different month at a different time. What the fuck is going on? I don't know. Figure your shit out. (laughs) Uh, Bruce Campbell is joining the fourth season of Peacock Comedy AP Bio. Campbell will guest star as John Griffin, father of Glenn Harlton's Jack Griffin in the series. An absent father to Jack for most of his life, he recently had a spiritual awakening with hopes to reconnect with his adult son. Oh. Very interesting. I haven't tried out that show yet, so maybe... I have not either, but if Bruce Campbell's on it, I'm trying it. Right. Because, I mean, I love Bruce Campbell. Uh, Let's see. Jumping to Sony. Uh, Sony Pictures Entertainment has apparently extended Tom Rothman's contract for an unspecified period of time and given him a new title. Uh, And a promotion. Under the new deal, Rothman has added CEO to his chairman title. He will continue to oversee all aspects of Sony's motion picture business, including leading its various movie brands, which of course include Columbia Pictures, TriStar Pictures, Screen Gems, Sony Pictures Animation, Sony Pictures Imageworks, 3000 Pictures, Sony Pictures International Productions, Stage Fix Films, Affirm Films, and Sony Pictures Classics. The guy's over a lot. He will continue to report to Tony Venesquera, chairman and CEO of Sony pictures entertainment now this is a strong endorsement for the hard charging guy because he took over sony's film business back in 2015 during a tumultuous period for the studio yeah you remember that's when sherry lansing uh was getting hit up because a lot of emails came out right sony had just endured that devastating cyber hack which laid bare to the inner workings and jeopardized its relationship with key talents because again that hack revealed emails that sherry lansing had said not so nice stuff about the talent oh boom sherry was out See you later. And Rothman <laughs> took over. Um, boy, those hacks. you got to watch out for those emails, guys. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Sony Pictures Classics has landed the rights to The Phantom of the Open, uh, heartwarming, our heartwarming drama starring uh, Mark Rylance, Sally Hawkins, and Rise Infants. Craig Roberts is also known for his on-screen roles in Submarine and Red Oaks. To, he's going to direct the film. Uh, Paddington 2 screenwriter Simon Farby uh, adapted the screenplay from the book of the same name, which is co-authored by Scott Murray, and it's an aspiring true story that follows Maurice, uh, and he is going to be played by Ryan, Rylance, an underwhelming optimist who managed to gain entry to the British Open Gold Championship, qualifying back in 1976, and uh, basically blew the first round in history <laughs> and became a folk hero in the process. Sure. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's make a movie about that. Yeah, why not? I mean, why not? Okay. <laughs> make sometimes, a movie about everything. Sometimes I just don't understand why are we making a movie highlighting the worst of something in American history or, or yeah. like in history. I just it doesn't make sense. Um of course I meant British history. You know. Sue me. 
I'm just saying. Uh, let's see. Uh, jumping to MGM. Oh, this was a good one, too. Have you watched this one? Mm-hmm. I'm ahead of you on trailers. I'm surprised. You're, you normally are telling me about them. MGM released the first trailer for its upcoming film, House of Gucci, and announced that it will be hitting theaters on November 24th. The film, directed by Ridley Scott, details the assassination, of course, of Maurizio Gucci, played by Adam Driver, and the downfall of the Gucci family fashion dynasty. Lady Gaga plays socialite Patrizia Rigani, Maurizio's ex-wife, who was tried and convicted of orchestrating his murder after he left her for a younger woman. She served 18 years in prison, where she gained the nickname Black Widow before being released in 2016. The star-studded cast also includes Al Pacino, Jared Leto, and Jeremy Irons. And I challenge you guys out there to find Jared Leto in the trailer. He, holy shit. This has got to be the best makeup transformation I've ever seen. I was like, hold up, wait. Is that fucking Leto? I unbelievable costume and makeup people oscar nominations coming that's all i'm fucking saying but yeah dude you gotta check it oh my god yeah. gaga she's gonna get another one yeah. she's gonna get another nomination that's awesome fucking phenomenal man uh heading over to Lionsgate. this one's by no surprise because just wait uh according <laughs> to the sources uh familiar with the matter Lionsgate documentary about Bill Cosby is not moving forward. Yay! The, the documentary has been in the works for years and gained attention since Cosby's release from prison in late June, but now the company has killed it. Good. Dead. Well done, Lionsgate. Yes. Well done. I mean... I mean, you don't need that money. No, no fuck that. Exactly. Man. Let it's, that guy just go away. It's tainted. Um. Oh, and here's what I was talking about at the top of the show about when Star, Disney's Star, you know, they're, it's the, basically their streaming service in Europe. Well, Stars didn't like that. Stars has succeeded in blocking Disney from launching the streaming service in Brazil under the name Star Plus. A judge in Sao Paulo granted a temporary restraining order holding that Disney cannot use the brand name when the service debuts on August 31st. Disney announced in May that it would launch the new service in most Latin American countries with offerings including ESPN content along with the movies and TV shows from Disney's various entities. Stars, however, has filed a complaint in Mexico, Brazil, and Argentina arguing that Star Plus infringes on its trademarks and will cause customer confusion with their stars brand the ruling in brazil is the first to enjoin disney from using the name that's interesting we're gonna see how that plays out because you know they like that star i don't just call it fucking disney plus international i know right you know or disney plus latin or like whatever the fuck why do you need star i don't exactly exactly and besides you're gonna have to be spending way too much money fighting scarlett johansson yeah i'm like it's all good man it's all good you don't need it uh lionsgate and buzzfeed has set the lgbtq romantic comedy my fake boyfriend as the partnership second Production with the film to star uh, Keenan Lonsdale, Dylan Sprouse, and Sarah Hydland. Uh, the film follows a young man who's played by Keenan, who, on advice from his best friend, who's played by uh, Sprouse, creates a fake social media profile uh, boyfriend to keep his ex lover out of his life. The plan backfires when he meets the real love of his life and breaking up with his fake boyfriend proves hard to do mm. interesting that one sounds really yeah yeah if you guys aren't familiar with the with with the star there um he uh keanu lonsdale he's a uh, kid flash on on flash yeah yeah in, in the Arrowverse, and he was also in love simon and stuff he's he's got some stuff that's gonna be interesting where does sarah highland fit into it right because i'm guessing you know fake boyfriends and exactly. sprouts and all that <laughs> where does she fit in we don't know um 
Jumping over to AMC, Better Call Saul star Bob Odenkirk was rushed to the hospital earlier this week after collapsing on the set of the AMC show. Mm. Uh, Odenkirk is currently in production on the sixth and final season of Better Call Saul, which you guys know is a spinoff of Breaking Bad. Odenkirk apparently collapsed on Tuesday at the show's set in New Mexico. Crew members immediately called the ambulance. Um, according to his representatives, though, Odenkirk is in stable condition after experiencing a heart-related incident. Uh, they have determined that that's what it was, and the final season of Better Call Saul is is expected to go back into production and set to premiere in early 2022. Mm. Glad to hear he's okay. Yeah. I mean, that could have been potentially much worse than it was. Um, good. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, head, heading over to Netflix. Uh, Netflix will require actors and those who come in close proximity to them to be vaccinated against COVID-19. In accordance with Hollywood's new return to work protocols, the mandate, uh, which is the first broad production vaccination requirement to be announced by a Hollywood studio will affect cast in a and zone a crew uh, those who will come in close contact with actors for all of the streamers US productions that's crazy man I mean yeah. it just shows it's happening everywhere so yeah. I mean just get vaccinated yeah and you saw Disney followed suit you know Netflix did it first but as we told you at the top of the show Disney did it too and I wouldn't be surprised if all of them follow suit right afterwards um, ooh Netflix has acquired worldwide rights to the action thriller Fast and Loose from uh, STX Films with Will Smith set to star and David Leach to direct it's uh, first reported back in February that the package was hitting the market with every major player trying to get it. Netflix won the rights and has taken its time in negotiating the deals. The film apparently follows a man who wakes up in Tijuana with no memories. As he pieces together his past, he learns he's been living two lives. One is a crime kingpin and the other as an undercover CIA agent. What the fuck? What? That, that That's so Will Smith. Right. That is so Will Smith. That's going to be huge. That's that, going to be good. That's going to be really good. Now, this next one I'm kind of worried about because Netflix doesn't have the best uh, report card when it comes to biopics. Uh, Netflix is Blonde, the fictionalized storytelling of Marilyn Monroe's life, starring Ana de Armas, will now be releasing in 2022. Mm. The film will also star Oscar winner Adrian Brody from The Pianist and Emmy nominee Julene Nicholson from HBO's Mayor of Easttown. The Emmy winner Bobby uh, Canaville uh, from HBO's Boardwalk Empire. Uh, Blonde was one of the year's most anticipated film by the industry insiders and consumers. A specific release date in 2022 has not been set yet, but this is the first I'm even hearing about it. Yeah, I, uh, I, me too. And uh, I'm really curious about it because, like you said, their track record not so good. But I'm uh, anybody who knows me and has known me for my whole life knows I'm huge fucking Marilyn Monroe fan. All in on Marilyn Monroe, and I like Anna De Armas. So I do too. Uh, she's a really great actor, and, and obviously, so are Adrian Brody. And, and Julianne, uh, so, uh, so the potential is there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not fuck it up. I'm really curious to see her version of Marilyn, though. Right. It's going to be interesting. Um, what else am I super excited about? Hell yeah, I am. You guys know. Lucifer going to debut its sixth and final season, September 10th. I'm going to be busy in September with Billions coming back, Lucifer coming back. You I'm are. never fucking leaving the TV, guys. It's fine. It's fantastic. Um September 10th, Netflix unveiled the date announcement with one and a half minute teaser video that boldly stated all good things must come to an end. Mm. And it was a fucking epic trailer. Go watch it. It's fantastic. I cannot wait until that thing comes back. Although I am 
very sad it's the last season. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I know they're going to wrap it right because they're all so passionate about the show. And so you know it'll be done properly and send it off the way it should be. But I still wish it would come back. Yeah. Uh, Netflix has unveiled the first look at Amidla uh, Stalton mm-hmm. uh, as Queen Elizabeth II in The Crown Season 5, which has started production in the UK, features Stalton as the British monarch in later decades of her life. Uh, she takes over from Olivia Coleman, who portrayed the Queen in Seasons 3 and 4, and Claire Foy, obviously, who played the young, newly crowned Elizabeth in the first and second season. still my favorite. Still my favorite, too. Uh, season 5 will tackle the early 1990s, including um, it is thought the Queen's so-called Anus Horbilis. Mm-hmm. Oh, what is that? Uh, the worst year ever for the Queen. <laughs> oh, okay. In 1992, which uh, during three of her four children separated from or divorced their partners. Oh, okay. Yep. Including Prince Charles and Diana. And the family was uh, dodged by normal or, um, numerous scandals such as the revelation of Charles's affair with uh, Camilla mm-hmm. Parker and the publication of Prince Andrew's wife, Sarah Ferguson, sunbathing topless with a male friend. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's a lot It happening. was a bad year for them. Yeah. It, it was. But um, I'm excited about this. I yeah. mean, I still need to catch up because I was just so like, Claire Foy! But, you know, I, it's... I'll watch it at some point. Yeah. Oh, it's the performances as from Diana and the guy who plays Charles are just so fucking good, dude. Yeah. I mean, and and of course that's the big question. It says this is going to jump to the two thousands. So will this next season wrap up? Will they show the death of Diana? Right. Are they going to address that and, and her coming out to the yeah, street? Uh, yeah. Sure. I mean, I really feel like they should and then of course they're not going to they've already said they're not going to do the whole harry and megan no, leaving yeah. or or prince andrew's like fucking jeffrey epstein yeah. shit they're not they're not going there which is unfortunate because boy that would have been fun yeah uh, <laughs> hey you know who else netflix loves though jennifer garner and don't we all we all love jennifer garner well, apparently, as a part of her new deal, which we told you about a little bit ago, Jennifer will develop a number of new movies for her to produce and star in. And one of them, because this was a big question, right? One of them, would it be? Well, apparently the answer is yes. One of them will be a sequel to Yes Day, the family comedy which premiered on Netflix in March. And according to the company, it's Netflix's biggest kids and family movie to date and was seen by 62 million households. So, of course, it's going to get a fucking sequel. Yeah, of course. Um, In it, as you guys know, Garner and Edgar Ramirez play parents caught in a cycle of no with their three kids until they decide to say yes to everything, with certain limitations, of course. The concept of Yes Day was based on something Garner would do with her kids from the children's book of the same name by Amy Krause Rosenthal. Hmm. It was a good movie. Did you watch it? I did. I, I'm just wondering now, but that's the first I've heard that it was actually something she did with her kids. How was Ben with that? Right. Was Ben, <laughs> was ben the one that really just came up with the say yes to fucking everything? Just, do just it. say yes. Fine. I don't know. I'm just, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Matt Bomber uh, is set to as the lead male opposite of Michelle McGonigan and Echoes, <laughs> a Netflix uh, psychological thriller limited series. Uh, showrunner Brian Yorkie. Echoes uh, was, as we told you last week, is a mysterious about identical. It's a mysterious thriller about identical twins, Lenny and Gina, both uh, portrayed by McGonagan, uh, who share a dangerous secret. Basically, where they're sharing the 
the same lives and switching back and forth. Yeah, and shit with the like husbands that. and shit. So, like what? Yeah, very interesting premise, but I'm excited to see that one. Yeah, because Boomer's apparently going to play that husband. It's like who's it, whose kid is this? Exactly. Or like you, you know, yeah, he grew up the boy next door, uh, and the husband he wishes he they had everything. Um, he runs a veterinarian practice, but when his wife disappears, it's Jack who has the most to lose as her secret comes to the surface. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Very, very. Oh, uh, Sweet Tooth apparently has been renewed for season two at Netflix. The second season will consist of eight one-hour episodes. News of the renewal comes just under two months after the debut of the first season, which dropped in June. This is exciting. This is the one that Team Downey's behind, and Beth Schwartz, who was the longtime showrunner of Arrow, is is involved with it. And I haven't seen it yet, but I hear it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Netflix has ordered an adult animated series, Chicago Party Aunt, inspired mm. by Quit, uh, Chris Wistake's Twitter account of the same name. Netflix is ordered 16 episodes of the half hour series with the first uh, episode eight episodes slated to drop september 17th lauren ash will lead the voice cast in a role of diana dunbrowski uh, aka the chicago party aunt as she stays true to her mantra if life gives you lemons turn that shit into mike's hard lemonade <laughs> Uh, additional voice cast members include <laughs> Rory O'Malley, RuPaul Charles, uh, Jill Telly, Ike something, and I mean so many more people. But that that premise sounds hilarious. Oh so. uh, yeah, I mean you know I'm I'm all down for anybody who's got that philosophy, in right? Life. Um, you're probably way more excited about this one than I am. A new Pokemon series is in early development at Netflix. Uh, as the project is still in its early days, no details are available about it. However, sources say that Joe Henderson is attached to write and executive produce. Now. That gives me some hope because Joe Henderson, as you guys know, Lucifer. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Henderson currently serves as the co-executive producer on Lucifer, which is preparing to air, as we just told you, its final season. Sources also say that the project would be a live action series akin to the Detective Pikachu starring Ryan Reynolds and Justice Smith um, that was released a couple of years ago. So... Okay. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, a lot of Pokemon's Netflix stuff is very kid-driven, so I would like it to be kind of like DC where they make adult animated versions of the characters and yeah, stuff. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, we all grow up at some point. But now, <laughs> heading over to Amazon, <laughs> Jaya Courtney has been tapped as the Amazon series uh, The Terminal List, opposite of Chris Pratt. As we told you, the series follows James Reese, who's played by Pratt, as his entire platoon of Navy SEALs is ambushed during a high-stakes covert op missions. Reese returns home to his family with conflicting memories of the event and questions about his uh, capability, basically everything in life. However, as new evidence comes to light, Reese discovers dark forces working against him, endangering not only his life, but as he lives those with the loved one that he loves. Mm -hmm. uh, Courtney will appear as a recurring guest star as Steve Horn, uh, a billionaire kingpin behind uh Capstone Industries. Capstone is enormously a successful global fund with a hand in everything from pharmaceuticals to fashion to electronics, everything like that. But Horn's bread and butter is capitalizing on the latest military trends and innovations. Uh, Horn's influence are equally threatening with their hubris and will be put uh, squarely in Reese's 
Ross Hairs. Mm. Very intense. I'm wondering if he's the guy behind the the slaughter of his people. Right. I, I mean, that would make sense, yeah. right? Eventually, maybe that. I don't know. Alfonso Gomez Rayon will mount a film adaptation of The Fortress of Solitude. Yes, the for- that's Fortress of Solitude. At Amazon Studios, continuing his creative relationship with the streaming giant. Behind the festival hit Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl, which you guys have heard me say numerous times is one of my favorite films. And ben- Benedict Cumberbatch's The Current War, Gomez Rion will direct the project based on Jonathan Lehman's New York Times bestselling novel. Um, let's see. The Fortress of Solitude tells the story of two friends, Dylan Edbus and Mingus Rude, who come of age in 1970s Brooklyn. After receiving a magic ring with the directive to fight evil, Dylan and Mingus forge an indelible bond. But as the years pass, their experiences and opportunities grow increasingly disparate. There are things even a magic ring can't solve. Dylan is white. Mingus is black. And in America, that makes a world of difference. Uh, and it is. The, the Fortress of Solitude that they refer to is because these both of Superman's Fortress of Solitude, where they go to get away, to escape, to, to regroup kind of a thing. And it plays a heavy role in the film. So that sounds deep, and I, I think it's going to be a good one. It does. It does. Well, Billy Bob, Billy Bob Thornton will take his final turn as Billy McBride in Amazon Prime's Goliath on September 24th, which means the characters somehow survive survived the murder attempt in season three finale uh and he's Hmm. looking to face some serious goliaths across the eight episodes this season by the way newcomers jk simmons and bruce dern uh the streamer teases billy will face off against opioid industry simon stars as um our Simmons stars as George Stacks, the leader of a family-owned uh, pharmaceutical company that is one of the biggest in the country. Dern will play George's brother, Frank. Uh, the first se- three seasons of Goliath are available now on Amazon Prime to stream. So. Yes, and uh, two of our former guests, Spencer Garrett and... Uh uh, Kevin Weissman, both have been on that show. Yes. Guys, you got to watch it. It's a fucking phenomenal show. Uh, jumping to Apple, speaking of phenomenal shows, Apple announced that the Ted Lasso season two premiere episode hauled in the biggest audience of any original film or TV show on Apple TV+. The soccer comedy series, headlined by Jason Sudeikis, as you guys know, as the fish-out-of-water American coach, tallied more Apple TV Plus accounts that streamed the S2 season premiere on Friday, July 23rd, and over its opening weekend than any previous launch of other shows so i believe that it's surely one of the most talked about shows yeah and i mean for apple this is basically their bread and butter right now oh yeah i mean nothing else is really even coming close to ted lasso uh sebastian stan will star alongside oscar winner julianne moore and apple's original feature film and a24's sharper uh, the story follows a con artist played by Moore, uh, set in Manhattan's billionaire Eklaken, what, uh, Echelon. Echelon. Uh, Stan will play Max, a clever con man known for carrying out complicated plans and making way with uh, large sums of money. In the film, he's pulled into another scheme. Mm. Have you guys noticed that literally in our whole industry news segment, it's just been a whole bunch of con stories and like shady motherfuckers? Yeah, yeah, gangsters, billionaire, bad boys, and like... <laughs> What are we saying about society? That right. they, although, I guess, you know, art imitating life, I guess. Yeah, right? Cause, you know. I mean. Mm. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. Well, we did it. We're here. We're finally here. We guys, we know that you guys are ready to hear Laura Niemi's interview. She comes yes. back on the show for the second time to talk about 
her stage performance and her production, Pool Boy. Yeah, which is like not on a stage. No, not at what, all. What, what, what does that even mean? Well, wait, you'll hear all about it in the interview. But boy, this is a good one. It is, it is. And every time she comes on, it's just a blast from the past, super fun. Like, she's absolutely amazing. Oh, and yeah. you guys are just going to love this interview. Oh, wait. Here she is. Laura Niemi, welcome back inside the Crazy Ant Farm. How are you tonight? (laughs) I'm good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me back on, by the way. Of course. We're rocking and rolling, you know. Exactly. Living the dream, as always. I think in in, in the first time chatting with you guys, I might have been a little wackadoodle. I can't remember, but I think I was. Just a little? Just a I little. still am. What are you going to do? Well, you know, the good thing it's called Inside the Crazy Ant Farm then. I mean, because, hey. you know, we like to get a little crazy. So. There you go. <laughs> and yeah, and it's been a while. I mean, you've been a busy girl since uh, you last talked to us. I know. It has been. Well, and then it hasn't been. And then it hasn't been. been. That's like, right. uh, you know, what have we all been doing? That's I've, right. I've been back, nothing. That's <laughs> right. Shh. That dreaded COVID word. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but things things are starting to pick up, so thank God, you know, and it's just amazing how the arts have maneuvered through this. I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen it too, but just companies and musicians and, you know, actors and, you know, just so many people. I think even Roger Corman had like a film uh, contest where you had to make a one minute film that that was inside your house. Right. Oh wow. <laughs> you know, it was just yeah. it was just like all these people are doing these incredibly creative things and you know the arts they're never gonna go away. No matter what, we'll always we'll always be inspired to keep creating, which is Fantastic. Thank God for that, right? Thank Absolutely. God. Yeah, we had our own experience. We just finished our first film, directing our first film, a short film. And yeah, the COVID regulations and the way we had to do things was definitely interesting. <laughs> oh, congratulations, guys. Well, thanks. Go. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we're super excited. It's in post and editing right now. And so we can't wait for the world to see it. And, and we I will love, definitely I let you that. know. But, yeah, um, so, all right, let's talk about it because you have had a busy summer. Uh, let's talk about the film first. It came out a couple months ago, right? So we're super pumped about that. Those who wish me dead. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's it. It was, you know, I shot that a couple years ago and sadly, you know, it didn't, uh, it didn't all end up in the film, but what's wonderful about that is that, you know, it was supposed to be for a, um, a movie release. Right. Right. And, uh, they, you know, Thank God HBO Max had just come on the scene, and um, that was one of the sweethearts of, of, you know, the channel launching. And so grateful that people got to see it. I love Taylor Sheridan. Obviously, I love Angelina Jolie. She's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Just a wonderful experience shooting in New Mexico, and, you know, glad that the film kind of pivoted, as a lot of, it, a lot of movies had done this past year, and, you know, landed on um, streaming services, which... You know, thank God for that because it's it's we all needed that. You know. Yeah, I I compare it to like a temporary band aid because a lot of people were a little weary about the whole HBO Max like theatrical release situation, and I mean, yeah, I felt like it was kind of necessary. I mean, everybody yeah. was mandated to literally stay home, so I mean. HBO, yeah, HBO and Warner Media were just trying to give the people what they deserved and try to 
get them away from all their stress and struggles. So I thought it was yeah. a good Band-Aid for the time being. Yeah, I thought it was a really smart move. And now, you know, I mean, the, the flip side of that is, is, you know, now as movie theaters are opening and, cl- you know, closing, we just lost, you know, one of the landmarks of Los Angeles, which yes. is the Dome and yeah. a lot of the arc lights. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. So, you know, I've been going out more to the movies and hopefully your listeners are, you know, do as well, because I can't imagine, you know, a, a world without, you know, going to the movies, surrounded right? by strangers, eating popcorn together and just, you know, laughing at the same things and crying. At the same. I mean, it's just a, it's a communal it's meant to be communal, I believe. So, it is. anyway, it just turns it into one big experience for everybody, which is great. And I feel like everybody needs that escapism, you know? Yeah, right. And so, let's hope theaters pivot back. Exactly, exactly. And also, you made a return as one of our most beloved characters on This Is Us. I'm sure that was very interesting during COVID times. Was everything safe? Did it you feel was, good about everything? Oh, yeah. Everything was fantastic. I mean, you know, look, you know, so many people out of work, so many people out of work. So, you know, to be invited back, it's always great to work, be working. Mm-hmm. It's something I love doing. Always a wonderful thing. And just it was such a, I don't know if you saw that episode, but it was such an incredible, it incredible was. episode. Yeah. Um, so heartwarming and I think came at the perfect time. You know, we you saw a softer side of the Pearsons. Yeah, <laughs> especially the dad because that was, that was definitely yeah. necessary. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And, and I think we needed it. You know, I think that I think the writers really had the right temperature gauge on what was going on. And, you know, kind of sharing a little bit about the sweetness of, of Jack's past, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it just was just lovely. And I, you know, I got to be with the whole family again, which is always great. Always. you know, and, and everything was very safe. You know, we had to COVID test a lot, but there you go. I mean, so you have it, it's, you know, you do what you got to do to keep, you know, Make yeah. sure everybody's safe. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And and so you're currently working a, a, on stage, if you will. <laughs> yeah. A, a exactly. unique stage, um, a right. theater event, right? Yeah. It's site-specific theater, which I've never done, and so quirky and funny and weird and wonderful. And so it's only an hour long. And that's about, you know, when I first read it, that was about my bandwidth after watching so many TV shows. <laughs> right. I, like, okay, I can't, I can't, you know, my brain was marshmallow. So it's kind of like a little love letter to Los Angeles. The the theme, you know, it's, it's about a house sitter who, you know, is, is an aspiring actor. Let's just say, we don't know. We'll, we'll get to play. <laughs> and, um, and uh, a pool boy and it's so it's kind of a nod to hollywood so it's you know it's just it's it's a wonderful la story and and i did it because i'm i'm a third generation angelino um this town is is just you know has just been devastated uh and like you know all across the world but especially los angeles we got hit pretty hard and um you know i wanted to bring back the art and so, you know, if anything, you know, you come out of this experience of what we've all been through and it's just like, you know, if not now, when just mm-hmm. do it, just go for it. Right. You know, you, you sense, you get a sense not to take it down too, too far, but you get a sense of your mortality and you, you're just so grateful to, you know, breathe in and out. You're just like, okay. I, mean, I, I decided, you know, what? I, this, this is just incredible. Why, why can't, why can't we do this in a, in, you know, in a space that's COVID friendly and, this is what's on the table right now for the arts and let's go for it. And I 
have worked with director Scott Cummins for many years. He's a fantastic director. He teaches uh, um, theater in, you know, uh, in uh, Northern California. Um, and he um, drove down here every week to rehearse the play. And um, we got this location that's up on Mulholland, this beautiful mm, home. Yeah. That has just, it's just gorgeous. That really, it fits a hundred people, but we're, we're capping off seating because we want to make sure that, People feel, you know, like they still have space outdoors. You know what I mean? Like we don't, we don't want to cram everybody in there. So it's, it, we're we're maxing it out at fifty people, and and the seats are kind of um, set in like a little promenade style. Like whoever you're potting with, you can sit with, and we even have seats that you can dangle your feet in the pool. It's this beautiful. It's you know, it's a large, large space, and we've created this outdoor set. You know, you know, we we got uh, in partnership with this French wine company called Pool Boy. So there's a cocktail hour beforehand at 5:15, and then the play starts at six as the sun is setting. And then you know, it's from it's an hour long, and everybody gets to enjoy this beautiful. Uh, landscape of, of around Mulholland after the play and sit and talk and converse about it. It's just a perfect date night, you know. Yeah. It's it's the play is so funny and it's you know site specific theater is really extraordinary because um, y- y- you get to be intimate, you know. And there's an intimacy that's uh, that's even more so than when you're kind of having sitting in a seat. That is that has been marked for you, that, right. you know, and you're all just looking at this one space. You know, you're kind of taking in the whole environment here, and so you know, I just feel like that's what's on the table right now: the sense of needing to be intimate, which of course has a lot of the themes in the play. The sense of you know, we need to be intimate again, and there's, we've just been so isolated for so long, so it just feels very inclusive, you know. And absolutely, I, I, I just I, it's theater that I would want to see right now. You know what I mean? It's the type of theater that I would want to see. I feel a little uneasy myself going into black box spaces right now. Mm-hmm. So um, but I know they're doing it safe. I will say that. I know they're very safe about how they're doing theater right now. But I just felt like and it's summertime. I mean, you know, where are you going to be? You're going to be poolside, right? Exactly, exactly. And I love that too. I mean, just making everybody as comfortable as possible. It could fit right? like 100 people, but you're cutting that down in half just to make sure everybody, you know, is safe. And I mean, poolside seats, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying, if I could yeah, be we, we, like... we had a show on, uh, this past Sunday where, you know, a lot of people were surrounding the pool as we did this show. You that's know? so, so it cool. Was just, it's so beautiful. Now, I'm assuming you guys have uh, provisions for weather because this is an outdoor event, right? And so you're limited for weekends and stuff. It, n- not that it's crazy rain all the time in L.A. If anybody who lives there knows, but um, no, it- we um, we actually, you know, we're talking about we have one matinee that we're we're supposed to be doing in August. Yeah, and I'm actually possibly thinking about canceling it because it, you know, August in L.A. Even though you're up above because Mulholland, you know, you're right up. Up higher, so it's a little bit cooler, right? Right. Um, it, it's still, you know, in the middle of August. It's still, <laughs> that heat, it, yeah. it's just going to be, just going to be too. I think, I don't think it's going to be uh, nice. Now, what's happening is right now in the evenings, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's oh like, yeah. So it's the perfect time. That's why we set it at sundown. Outstanding. Um, yeah, so we didn't have to deal with the lights and lighting and whatnot. Plus, it's it, it's meant to be a daytime light play. Definitely, know? absolutely. I mean. <laughs> You've sold me. I, I mean, I'm like, I, I want to go see this thing. I mean, you're, it's really you're, fun. I got to tell you something. As much as I'm making it sound so highbrow, because it 
you know, because it, it's an incredibly written play. It's just right. Wendy Hopkins, who is a Second City alum, it is a, an extraordinary play. But it is just it's it's just this the levity we all need right now. It's right. just a wonderful evening. That's what everybody's been coming away saying. Just just such a great vibe from beginning to end. Just really, you know, what's it's what's on the table, I think, right now. What's really, yeah. really needed. Well, and what yeah. you said, you know, a love letter to L.A. I mean, you, you a beautiful house in the hills overlooking the right? city. Poolside with a cocktail hour. I mean, what, if that doesn't I mean, scream everything great about L.A., right? Like I know. I know. <laughs> How could really you not is. want to go see that? And then award-winning actors and award-winning director. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, everybody it's really needs great. to I'm go just, see this. I'm sad it's doing – it's only going to be a limited run, but that's all we could do. You know, it's, we're, we're kind of house guests in a way. So we only have nine more performances left gotcha. this, this week, Saturday and Sunday. I think well, we're almost sold out for Saturday. I can't remember, but um, still some tickets on Sunday. And then we have the rest of the, you know, in, in August until the 22nd. Beautiful. Everybody get your tickets now. I mean, we're trying to get ours. <laughs> book it. <laughs> That's right. And where can they yeah. get tickets? Where can they go to buy tickets? Uh, you can go to poolboyonmulholland.com. Cool. Fantastic. <laughs> that just sounds entirely right? right? <laughs> like, like that's, just that drives you there. Like, okay. I know. So great. I know. So great. It's, it's, it's a good one. I'm just so proud of this production. So proud that everybody kind of came together in the spirit of of making art mm-hmm. yeah, definitely you know, definitely it's definitely not an endeavor that you would uh, buy a house in the hamptons on so right <laughs> it's really it's you know it's really extraordinary that everybody kind of came together at this level of the playing field because these are like you said these are award-winning theater people and i think the sound designer has been nominated for a tony a couple times nice. the director wow. won many awards uh, Pat and myself have been, you know, have won theater awards. So it's just, it's, we, we, you know, we've got a solid group that is in, it's good, good hands with this playwright. So oh, it's, it's, gonna be, it's fun. I'm, I'm glad we're doing it. It's given me something to do. Right. Although, you know, it just happens this way. This is in life, especially in the entertainment industry. As soon as you start getting a little busy, boom, the phone rings. <laughs> right. So I'm actually, I'm actually flying uh, flying to New Mexico to do a show during the week, so then I have to fly back. So it's, you know, well, it's now I'm pivoting through this just like everybody else is trying to sure. you know, uh, right. get that new pace going, right? right. Oh yeah, <laughs> horizontal and gaining the COVID nineteen. You know exactly. how, how, how it rolls. <laughs> Congratulations, that's awesome. <laughs> All of this crazy stuff has happened, but the entertainment industry as a whole, they have been able to think outside the box and provide the uh, goers, the viewers, like this interesting way to view content. So I think that's very important. Uh, The entertainment industry is so well known for adapting to whatever is going on in the world right now. And I think this play is prime proof of that i mean just adapting to what's going on and still Mm -hmm. giving people that valuable entertainment that we all need and we all need to get away from real life for a little bit so i mean yeah or just or get out get outside of our homes exactly exactly we outside yeah. Well, and and, sure. and a choice because like you said there are a lot of people that I feel like what what you said earlier are still 
nervous about being in that box as much as they right. want to go to the theater they're still a little worried about it so the idea like right. logan said that the entertainment industry is like well okay well we can do things to not have you in a box and still enjoy a show so come exactly. do this you know and exactly. I, I just yeah it's so fantastic but we've changed we have a few new questions that we've started asking people since the last oh, time right you've on, come on it, and it, i think i think this first one is going to be hilarious because you're a okay. hilarious person has there ever been a moment moment on set and or on stage that has been so embarrassing for you at the time that you thought you would never live down but now you can laugh about it uh yeah <laughs> I don't know. it's not really a good it's not really a good story uh, well i mean i have two of them I want, the first one being that uh <laughs> i was a guest star on criminal minds mm-hmm. and there's criminal minds and um, there's this big scene, and it's a walk and talk with the entire cast. Oh. And they come in, the whole entire cast, the A-team, comes in, and they have all this dialogue, all this dialogue, all this dialogue. And then at the end, I say one word. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. You can come in now, or whatever. And 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 they do it. I'm so en- engrossed because you know these actors are just I'm, I'm, they're they're taking me there, man. I'm just sitting there listening to. Them. And then by the time it gets to me and the camera comes on me, I forget my fucking line. Oh I'm no! Looking at the and I'm like, Jesus Christ! What the fuck? I'm, you guys are amazing. What the hell? You took me there, and I totally spaced out. And I swear, I I. I I don't know. I might have cried on the way home because I was like, I think I'm an idiot. Funny. We've heard some pretty Um, bad stories and trust us. That's not the worst. So you're good. You're good. Well, and also I was on Firefly. Oh, I have no problem telling telling my ridiculousness. (laughs) Uh, I I was on Firefly, my first gig ever. What a great credit, right? Um, And so I play uh, Adam Baldwin's uh, love interest. Mm. Okay. And so I come in and I'm and I, I'm supposed to start making out with him. And then I leave. He, yeah, I don't know. He slaps my butt and then I leave. And so I come in. He slaps my butt and and I don't know where my blocking is. <laughs> so they're doing this scene and the director's like, "Cut, cut, Laura, you got to get out of the scene here. This is where you got to get out of the scene." <laughs> I'm just sitting there in the middle of the set. <laughs> oh, god. oh god bless for me oh yeah oh anyway. yeah ah, it's all a learning experience right i mean you yeah know, it's come just on. embarrassing as all hell right <laughs> you want to look good. like a pro <laughs> right you look like a pro and you just come off looking like a, you're so green right you're like anyway. shit <laughs> no, you completely understand completely <laughs> understand and the other one being with you know, everybody being trapped at home for so long last year. So we want to know, what were you watching, film or television-wise? What was the thing that just kept you glued to the screen? Oh, God. I'm so boring. But my <laughs> husband and I are – we could watch The Sopranos yes. over and over and over. And In fact, I just got hip to the podcast. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm, yeah. Now I'm, like, addicted. I'm like, how do I know about this? <laughs> That's so great. So, I mean, it's so inside Soprano stuff. I'm just like, oh, man, that's a deep cut. Right. Oh, I love that. I love knowing that. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm watching it for the first time right now. Oh, and, I mean, yeah. Oh, it's just I, – I just – I love everything about it. I mean, E. Falco, come on. Yeah. No. yeah. Gandolfini and now Gandolfini's son, and they're doing the, the kind of prequel yep. of it yeah. yep. coming out. Yeah, so that was the I reasoning. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see it. So, yeah. Yeah, just 
Yeah, that was again. That again was and again and again. <laughs> that was the reasoning behind my thought process. I was like, "Man, I really want to see this movie, but I have to make sure I watch all of the That's show right. first." That's right. And I mean, I watched oh, it a yeah. little bit when I was younger with my dad, like just popping in and out of certain episodes. So I remember a little bit of stuff, but the yeah. overall story arc—I mean, it's just amazing. I'm so well, happy and, with it, and it still stands up. And yeah. And you, yeah. you have to remember that's what put HBO on the map. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that really is the show that put hbo on the map it was like hbo okay but that's the show that solidified (laughs) them as a player in the game and now of course they're just owning it hell yeah absolutely it is definitely one of those shows that just holds up no matter when you watch it 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 holds i agree so yeah because the characters are so interesting exactly and and the women are so interesting they are you know that's the thing it's like it's it's both it's both you know and in a lot of shows you, you you don't really see that you know you don't really see that it's not they're the Women characters aren't fleshed out. Sopranos, hello. Yes. Right, that's right. <laughs> Interesting female characters, right? The uh, epitome of strong women, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so good, man. So good. Well, listen, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the thank show you again. You're always a pleasure to have on. It's always awesome to talk to you guys. You guys are the best. Congrats again on your film. Get oh. it done. Oh, thank, thank you. I want to see it. I want to see it. So you got to send me, send it to me when it's, when oh, it's when You it's know completed. we will. You know we will. I love it. I love it, man. Oh, good. And best of luck on, and continued success on the rest of the show. And uh, and I, I have no doubt it's going to s- sell out like crazy. Uh, I mean, yeah. it just sounds amazing. So huge congrats. And, uh, Thank just, you. Woo, we can't wait to see what you got next. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I hope to see you there. Oh, you know. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Um, so, and, and again, open invite. Anytime you want to come back. You, you know where to come. You know where to go. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like you guys and I just keep getting better because that first interview, I think I listened to it a couple months back again. I was like, what was I thinking? I think I might have had a little too much caffeine that day. What was I thinking? I think I quoted like Charlie Sheen or something. I do. Yes. What am I doing? Yeah. So part do then we'll we'll just go with part do. Yeah, for sure. Thank <laughs> you, guys you so much. That's right. You bet. Have a <laughs> right, great rest care. of the night. We'll be in touch. You too. All right. Bye bye. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> good. Sure I love her. She's amazing. She just has the best outlook on everything, man. And that that laugh is infectious. It really she, is. Uh, oh, so great. I, so, I love it. I love it. Get out and see Pool Boy now. Book your tickets on the website she referred to. That's Thank right. you so much, Laura, again for coming on the show. All right, now it is time for the top five segment, man. And oh, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. I knew you would be. As soon as you saw the subject, I knew you were. Yeah, I like, I put everything in there before you did on purpose. Like, (laughs) literally, right. Yeah, you know what, though? That's okay because uh, I wasn't going to put anything that you had on your list on my list except for the one. Yeah. Uh, So we were good. We actually had different tastes in this one. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, it's top five Leonardo DiCaprio films this week. And you guys know I talk about it literally all. All the time. It's by far my favorite actor, so of course I'm excited for this thing. Fuck Dempsey and Brad Pitt. Uh, right. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, but my number five, my number five also has one of 90s like heartthrobs attached to it and a part of it, and that is What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Of course, I'm talking about Johnny Depp as well. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this film right here just basically put Leo on the map. It did. Basically, to show everybody what 
how much acting chops this man had. I mean, this was his first ever Oscar nomination and should have won. But, of course, that was a tough year. It always <laughs> is a tough year when he's nominated. But, I mean, this was a great freaking film and super sad, especially at the end. Um, but, you know, if you haven't seen this one, it's a classic. So what are you doing? Yeah, man. I, I mean, I think when – people first saw that they were like thinking is that the kid from fucking growing pains yeah right and he's going up against johnny say what you want about johnny depp he's a weird guy he's like out there is he abusive is he not i don't know but he's a fucking phenomenal actor and so when you take the kid from growing pains and say hey we're gonna put him up against johnny i and leo delivered yeah. you're right it, it, he should have won um he didn't like you said but he proved himself I, I mean i agree with you that's a good choice good choice um my number five, you've talked about it before, and, and, and I'm right there with you. I fucking love this one. Catch Me If You Can. Such a good one. I mean, come on, guys. You've got fucking Tom Hanks, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, DiCaprio and uh, Amy Adams. Yes. What? So good. And the way that DiCaprio pulls off all of these fake personas, right, so convincingly and so well – is unbelievable to me. Uh, it, again, proving his acting chops, proving that this guy can deliver on numerous occasions in, in numerous type personalities and roles. It was just fucking phenomenal. And the fact that it was a true story, right? And a lot of times it's like, man, how do you play a real character? How do you play, you know, uh, he nailed it. Mm-hmm. Catch and And again, Tom Hanks. Yeah, right. You're going against one of the greatest actors of our generation. You're going to have to hold your fucking own. And not only does Leo hold his own, but but on par with Tom. So just brilliant movie. Catch me if you can. Exactly. Completely agree, man. Completely agree. And number four for both of us <laughs> is like, honestly, I still i am still doing my film study. Everybody knows going back and watching old movies. But at the moment, I could say I think this is the sweetest and most beautiful love letter to Hollywood. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Brad and Leo and a million other people. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, it's so good, man. It's so good. Spencer Garrett. Spencer Garrett. Because he's in everything. Harley uh, Quinn Smith. Yeah, like, yeah, and Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Uh, do we need to say anything else about exactly. <laughs> Brad Pitt? Like, it's got everything, guys. It's got everything. Go see it if you haven't seen it. And if you haven't already, what the fuck? Yeah, seriously. That's all I'm saying. It's such a good one. Such um, a good one. I think you're number three. Yeah, my number three goes to The Departed. I've talked mm-hmm. about this one multiple mm-hmm. times on the podcast. But this one is very, very interesting because, like I've said before, it's awesome to see, especially in crime ridded neighborhoods how like it would be so easy to go either which way whether that be a cop in boston or whether it be a gangster in boston and i especially love the dynamic between leo matt damon and jack nicholson Mm. but when like you know when you think the cop is a good guy but he's actually working for the boss and the undercover guy who is (laughs) working for the gangster also like starts to form a bond with him but he's like no wait i also have a job that i'm supposed to do i mean martin or uh, martin sheen mark Wahlberg. there's so many great people attached to this thing like this is also another classic that i feel like people need to see because it's so damn good damn right damn right and again you know based on real life characters right so just it, it's it's uh, he has this knack of getting in films with going up against our generation's greatest actors. Yeah. You know, you're right. We talked about it. Johnny Depp. We talked about uh, Tom Hanks. Jack fucking Nicholson. Like, yeah. I mean, come on, guys. Leo is like, put me in a movie with these guys. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's fucking amazing, man. Um, my number three 
one of the trippiest out there, like insane stories ever on film, in my opinion, and one of Chris Nolan's masterpieces by far, fucking Inception. Mm, yep. His Leo's performance in that movie above and beyond. Um, and didn't it just make you want to go out and get a little spinny top just right. to make sure we were? <laughs> everybody wanted to go buy their fucking object to make sure we were in reality, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> like, um, that's, that's like my favorite part about it. I was like spinning coins for months afterwards. Like, no, it's fucking reality. I'm real. Um, it's a brilliant fucking movie, and and I don't want to intentionally talk about it too much because. You don't want to give away the plot and the secrets to it because it's a mind trip the whole fucking way. So, and if you tell it, you kind of blow it. Um, if you haven't seen it, thank you're welcome for not spoiling it for you. Right. <laughs> Watch the movie and then go, oh shit, okay, that's why it's on the list. Fucking trust me, Inception, it's brilliant. Yes, it really freaking is, man. Uh, number two for me is Wolf of Wall Street. Such a great freaking movie. I don't care if it's three hours long. I will watch that like all the freaking time. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie, again. Uh, Jonah Hill. And I mean so many others. This thing, um, what's his name? Bernthal there. He was in it as well. Of I course. Mean, it's such a good freaking movie that – Tells another real life story that happened about someone who is manipulating the stock markets and pay, taking all these people's money, uh, Jordan Belfort. But mm-hmm. I think in this one, he should have won. But God damn it, fucking Dallas Buyers Club and Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, motherfucker. But it's okay because he deserved it too. He was phenomenal. In he, film. He, he, absolutely. And then Leah won the next year with your next one. That's but right. Still. My number two, he did win. He deserved to win and he finally did win. I'm, of course, talking about The Revenant. Climbing inside the dead fucking animal, fake or not, was worth the Oscar right the fuck there. Right. Like, that's all I'm saying. That shit was nasty as fuck. Um, the movie is absolutely brilliant, though, right? There's not a whole lot of dialogue in it um, initially. And, and while he's on this journey that he's on, and, and it, it's physical acting in, like, extreme conditions – and and just watching his tra- – I think anytime you get a film where there's a transformation of the character going through these hardships, that's always like – I always say acting without talking is like the hardest thing to do. Yeah. And he he just did it fucking brilliantly in this movie um, and rightfully so won the Oscar and, and just um, – I love everything about this film. Yeah. It was shot with all natural light. They had to keep moving locations because they were losing snow. And it just everything about this was just it came together to finally be that one that he got the gold with. And yeah. it's just if you haven't seen it, make sure you that, – that climbing in a dead animal, the bears, just everything about it, worth it. Yeah. Worth the revenant. I mean, it's kind of – it's hard rewatch value though. Like, it I, is. It's very hard re- rewatch value. And I, uh, agreed. I, I mean I would not watch it again, but it was worth watching it the first time oh, yeah, and he sure. deserved the gold for exactly. it. Exactly. Completely agree. Completely agree. Well, my number one goes to maybe one of his like most challenging acting partners that he's ever had because this guy has been claimed as the number one actor because I mean he's spawned so many different type of characters. I'm talking about Daniel Day-Lewis oh, and Leonardo DiCaprio in Gangs of New York. This one, so damn good. Talk about like such a serious subject, especially like in American history. Martin Scorsese, like 
I just love what Martin and Leo's chemistry, what they have together. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis's performance as uh, the butcher, and I mean, that antagonist was such a great thing, especially when, in the beginning, when Leo's character is brought into the fold and he's treated like, you know, a fucking son, basically, when all actuality, um, the butcher killed Leo's dad, so it's just... It's so good. It's so good. If you guys haven't seen this, go check it out. Uh, Cameron Diaz is in it. Um, John C. Riley is in it. Yeah. So many fucking good people. The guy who just played uh, Trump in the Comey Rules yep. in it. Yep. Like, it's such a great movie. If you guys haven't seen it, Gangs of New York, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. And uh, I'm with you on the Scorsese uh, front. I think it's the best collaboration always, Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio. So my number one right there with it. And um, I was just a huge fan of this because I'm also a huge fan of the subject of the film because it's a true life story, a biography film uh, about Howard Hughes. I'm, of course, talking about The Aviator. I was long, hard into the Howard Hughes history and that whole like weird phase of life that that man had. So when this came out, I was all in. Um, DiCaprio's version of the eccentric, out there, kind of wild, weird Howard Hughes was fucking brilliant. Um, Kate Blanchett uh, as, as fucking Catherine Hepburn. John C. Riley's in this one also. Yeah. And little known, I don't know if, how many people know, but Gwen Stefani's actually in this as Gene Harlow. Yeah. Like, what? Um, but yeah, this movie was so brilliantly done and just takes you on that roller coaster ride of Howard Hughes and how he ends up as this like fucking germaphobic you know hidden away in a hotel room with like long ass fucking nails kind of creeper kind of guy but it really again i think much like once upon a time in hollywood was a love story to hollywood at certain points yeah you know with because uh, for people who don't know howard hughes was a filmmaker and into filmmaking long before aviation and all that kind of stuff and discovered jane russell and like all and so uh, dated katherine hepburn and gene harlow and um very much just like along those lines, but brilliant. I, I, I'm totally with you. Anytime he gets with Scorsese, it's a fucking masterpiece, and Aviator was a masterpiece. Completely agree, man. Completely Don't agree. you know the one theme of it? He should have won an Oscar for all of them. All of them. All of Every them, single not one. just The Revenant. They were Oscar-worthy performances in all ten of those films. Agreed. Nine of those films, because we agreed on one. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And I mean, honorable mention, obviously, The Departed and, like, I mean, yeah. not, I mean not The Departed, uh, Django Unchained. Yeah, just, I mean, like, this guy's nailing it, and how he didn't. How he hasn't won more is beyond me. Agreed, agreed. If you guys have a number one or a top five Leonardo DiCaprio films, please let us know. Be sure to add us on social media or comment below in the comment section on the podcast. Now heading over to the box office recap. Man, it was very interesting last week. I mean, with a whole bunch of kind of newer stuff coming out and then the whole Black Widow fiasco because we've been talking about that the past couple weeks. Mm. So, I mean, it overperformed. I thought it was going to be a little lower spot. I'm referring to Black Widow, but we'll get there. Number one was Old, that M. Night Shyamalan one, with $6.5 million. 16. Uh, 16, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. But still, I mean, it's sad that it's sad. that's number one. Yeah. Um, number two was Snake Eyes with $13.4 million. Number three was Black Widow with $11.6 million, which I thought it was going to drop to number four, but I'm honestly happy it didn't. Number four was Space Jam, A New Legacy with $9.6 million. And number five was F9, The Fast Saga with $4.7 so, million. So, and there you go, guys. 
uh, Space Jam saw the same 60 plus percent drop from number one to number four that Black Widow saw. Yeah. Um, you know, is it because it was available on HBO Max? I mean, these conversations have to be had because you don't normally see that significant of a drop from week one to week two, right? And like Logan said, 16.5 as your highest grossing, like, number one movie of the weekend, that's fucking sad. Agreed. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I know. Scarlet's going to win. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Saying. It's going to happen. Um, movies you can still go see. Uh, obviously, all the ones that I just referenced. Escape Room, Boss Baby, Forever Purge, which be careful at Forever Purge. Mm. Um, a Quiet Place Part 2, Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. But new movies that are coming out this weekend that you can go see right now. Stillwater, Jungle Cruise, The Green Knight, and Nine Days, and... Many others. That's two Matt Damon films. Yeah, coming out in the same week. Stillwater and The Green Knight. So yeah. if you if you're a fan of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, go see The Green Knight. If you're a fan of just Matt Damon, go see Stillwater. I know. I'm not really that interested in Stillwater because I think it feels kind of like a countryer version of Taken, um, in a sense to where like the daughter is the dad's trying to save the daughter and like a European type thing. Mm. Um, I know it's got a really strong political message. Yeah, so. yeah, and I mean, I don't know how well that one's going to do. I do. Jungle Cruise is going to be number one. Jungle Cruise is definitely going to be number one. I do want to go see Green Knight because Me too. that one's very interesting. Um, but yeah, man, and next week's Suicide Squad, so we'll see how that goes. Oh, so fucking exciting, right? James Gunn, go man. see it in the theaters, people. Do it. Put a mask on. Do whatever you have to to feel safe, but go fucking see that in the theaters. Yes, uh, and. Man, now it is time for the IMDb Pro Top Trending segment. Man, the top trending movie is Space Jam, A New Legacy, which is surprising because of all this controversy that Black Widow's had around it the past couple that, weeks. Yeah, that it might jump not, back up to number one yeah, next week. Yeah. Uh, trending show is still Loki, and trending star is Florence Pugh. So, I mean, you know, not a lot changed, but, you know, just a little bit. Just I'm, a little bit. I'm wondering... Did Florence Pugh have back end points, and will that lawsuit be coming? Mm. Right, because she, while point. nowhere near Scarlett Johansson at this point in the career, still a significant actress, and I would have to imagine had some sort of a deal. Agreed. Right. So will the, and will she renegotiate? Because we know she's showing up on Disney Plus as Hawkeye. Yeah. Right. So how's that? Oh my God! So much to happen with this lawsuit, <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we got to thank our guest one more time, Laura Naomi, for coming on the show yes. and talking about. Oh boy, this is us, and basically anything and everything because she's freaking awesome. <laughs> we got to thank our uh, audience for listening to episode 168, getting a little crazy with us. You all know you can follow us on social media at Crazy Ant Media and at ItCap Podcast, and us both personally at JLo Fantastic and at Crazy Ant Guy 1970. That's right, that's right. And you guys know you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. <laughs> <laughs> and YouTube. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. We did not do the YouTube video this week and probably the next couple weeks because our man over here, good news, uh, cancer-free, but did get zapped in the face. I did get some laser surgery. I look like Freddy fucking Krueger right yeah. now. So you'll be happy we didn't do the YouTube videos. Unless you're into horror, and then maybe I'll send you a pic. You right. let me know. Exactly, exactly. And be sure to visit our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear and stay up to date with anything and everything that we're doing here at the company but man this show there was a lot of a lot of stuff man it really was um i gotta say 
it's the Scarlet thing, Scarlet Johansson. Oh yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, it's such a it's such a big battle with such a big name and a big franchise with such a big, notable historical company. Yeah, and and you and I are going to be talking about this a lot because we have differing opinions on whether streaming is good and or bad. Yeah. Um, you, you know, good and or bad, depending on what it's going to do to the industry. We we kind of differ on, but um. One thing is for certain, this lawsuit is going to determine a lot moving forward with how things are done. Right. Um, and if she wins, <laughs> look out studios. That's yeah. all I'm saying because like you said, you know, Gerard Butler already coming at his back end point profit participation and um, I, it, it could get nasty. I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting and I mean – what if this Delta shit does shut everything back down? What, is that going to play heavily in it? So I, I don't know. It's going to be wild to see, man. Yeah, because that's an excellent question because we know Feige never wanted it on Disney+. Plus. He wants the shows on Disney+, Plus, the movies in theaters. But if the theaters shut back down, is Feige basically going to say – delay all of them again yeah. and never see them again for remember black widow was delayed like two years exactly so yeah you're right where does this delta thing play in how will that play into this lawsuit and all that oh my gosh so much we're gonna be talking so much off the podcast i <laughs> know and i mean freaking not the nba finals that just happened but the ones previous to that when they were in disney's bubble yeah they got to see black widow that's how yeah. far that's how long it's been done exactly so Which... i mean I feel like that is going to hurt a lot of fans to not be able to see anymore if they do shut everything back down and delay everything. So Agreed. A lot of stuff to talk about, man. A lot of stuff to talk about and reflect on. But you guys know that we'll be here for you. We're always going to be bringing you the conversation. It's true. And you know, I would love to get the opinion on of what she thinks about all of this Scarlett Johansson stuff the most powerful woman and only O that matters that's right Oprah